Okay, Matthew chapter 6. Um, if you've got devices or Bibles, then turn to Matthew chapter 6, um, verse 5 to 13. Um, and if you're like me and are kind of lazy, you're probably going to see it on the screen anyway. So enjoy that. But if you do like to get into it, then uh, feel free. So uh, yeah, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 13. Um, I'm reading from the, the NLT, but you know your mileage will vary. It says um, in verse 5, this is Jesus, he's talking on the Sermon on the Mount, um, and he's speaking about how to pray. It's pretty straightforward. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to play, pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay, store that. We're going to come back to that in a second. Um, so for me, I'm going to share a little bit about my background. So for me, I, I kind of struggled with this passage. I grew up in a context where both my parents became Christians when I was very young. So I've heard this passage quite a few times. And uh, for me, at different stages of my life, I struggled with different bits of this passage. Uh, when I was young, uh, it, was, it was pretty simple. I'd look at the verse that says, uh, don't pray publicly. And I'd be like, I got that, I can do that. I, I will keep my prayer life to myself. Thank you. If everyone's praying in a circle, I will you know, let you all know that I'm praying to God on my own quietly, but don't expect me to pray in public. So that was when I was little. Um, I was very happy to go along with that. But as I got older, um, the, the, second, the second little part of that started to speak to me. Um, don't pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So... What was going on in, at that point in my life? I was a teenager. I was starting to figure out this kind of faith thing for myself. I was trying to make some decisions that would, uh, that would take me on the path that God wanted for my life. But at the same time, I was struggling with a bunch of different things. I was not treating people the way that I knew I should. I knew my private life wasn't lining up with my, with my sort of public life, the life that I showed everybody else. And I began to pray with God from this position of feeling like I was uh, disqualified or like I wasn't worth his time. And so I'd find myself, you know, sitting in my room and I'd be praying for something that I really wanted God to do in my life or in someone else's life. And, uh, and I'd be sitting there, I'd be going over and over and over again and, uh, and babbling on and on as the Gentiles do, because I was praying from this place of feeling like, you know what, God, I, I'm, I've got to work for your attention here because I know I'm not the sort of person that you should really be spending all that much time listening to right now. I know I've got some stuff going on in my life that I'm not proud of. Um, so is it, you know, if you can, by any chance, if you're listening, then, uh, you know, I'd really love you to do this. And I'll say it again, just in case you didn't hear it the first time. And, and I would go on and on like this. Um, and so that was at that point in my life. And then as I sort of moved out of that phase and, and um, sort of started to work out my relationship with God a lot stronger and, you know, started doing Bible college and then got involved in church community and that kind of thing. Um, the part of the verse where it talks about, um, you know, the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them, I started to find myself praying more and more in, in public 
circles or in community, either at Bible college or, or in ministry and that kind of thing. I would, you know, happily lead groups in prayer or pray for people, but I was finding that I was praying more and more in public than I was in private. And my own private prayer life was kind of just not really there as, as anywhere nearly as strong as what it was in years past. And I found myself going, whoa, have I become this hypocrite that is, that is praying more for people, for other people's sake, so that they can see me praying rather than praying for my own um, personal relationship with God. And um, so all of this is kind of leading up to the beginning of last year. And, um, and I picked up uh, this, this book by um, Timothy Keller called Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God. And I won't be giving a book review here tonight um, because that would be boring. But uh, needless to say, God used what was in this book as well as what was going on in my um, small group at the beginning of this year. So this is like a whole year and a half we're talking about here that God has kind of been changing, revitalizing and reforming the way that I think about prayer. And um, my hope and my prayer for you tonight is that hopefully what I share will, will help do the same in your own prayer life, wherever you might be. I think prayer is such a core part of our spirituality, of what it means to be human. We want to connect with the God that made us. And uh, wherever you're at tonight, and whatever that looks like for you, I just want to encourage you that there is a God out there who wants to get to know you personally. Not, in, uh, not that prayer in this sort of setting, in a community setting, isn't bad, uh, isn't good. Yes, not that prayer in this kind of setting isn't good, but God wants to get to know you personally. He wants to have a conversation with you personally. And um, yeah, so I think for, for me, it was all about changing the perspective that I had about prayer. And the more I learned about God's desire for that personal relationship with us, the more my, my prayer life began to move from, from feeling uh, disqualified to feeling that, no, actually, I, I'm a son. I've been made right with God by what Jesus did. I'm righteous before him, and God wants to get to know me, and he wants to hear what I have to say, and, uh, and I want to hear what he has to say. So uh, moving from like a pauper of going, oh God, I know I'm not a great person and I know I've got some stuff going on in my life, but if you have a moment, would you please listen to what I have to say because it's kind of important in my life and my circumstances. I don't expect you to know all the details, but it's okay. Just please, can you maybe do something to, no, actually, God, you've created, you've created me. You've made me righteous by what Christ did on the cross. You are, uh, I am so precious to you that I am a son. I, I inherit everything that Christ inherits. And you want to hear what my requests are, and I want to hear what you have to say to me. So that was, um, that was the perspective that had to change. And I think the catalyst or the key to that change um, for me, and this is what I'm going to be talking about tonight, is the, idea, the relationship between prayer and praise and understanding that it's, it's praise, it's praise and thanksgiving that shifts the perspective of our prayers um, and makes our prayer life come alive. So that's what I'm going to be talking a little bit about tonight. So praise and thanksgiving. Um, so I guess the question is, well, okay, praise and thanksgiving, why is this so important? Why does it, why does it change? Um, why should it change our perspective on things? Um, so to answer that question, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, big idea with, or I guess the big picture view of prayer. As humans, we like to, uh, we like to put structure to things, and uh, I guess if we were going to put structure around how we communicate with God in prayer, there's kind of three um, big areas, that, or three big ways that we pray to God. Um, first would, firstly, there's like that inward prayer, 
that inward sense of, um, God, I'm getting some stuff off my chest right now. I'm confessing things to you. I'm repenting. Um, and then there is outwards prayer. There's prayer for, you know, the need or my needs or the, the needs of others. Um, and there's also prayer upwards. So inwards, outwards, upwards. And upwards prayer is this prayer of praise and thanksgiving to God. There's no agenda behind it. It's just telling God how good he is. And, uh, and I guess now that we've got that sorted, I guess the question I want to ask you guys is what drives your prayer life? This is where it started for me. This is where it started for me. What drives my prayer life? Is it the outward? Is it the outward experience, uh, outward circumstances that you're trying to pray through your life? You know, there might be needs that you have or needs of friends and family, real life situations that you need God to move in. Is it is it motivated mostly by your inward life, your self-talk, your, oh, God, look, I know I need to get this off my chest. I know I've messed up again, but I'm turning to you and saying, help me. Or is it this praise and thanksgiving? What drives your prayer life? Um, I've found, and I don't know about you, but I've found that oftentimes my own prayer life and our prayer lives are often driven by circumstances. So, you know, a friend might be diagnosed with something that's, that's really awful, or um, we might have an exam coming up or something. So we, so we pray into that because we know those circumstances are coming and we need God's help. Um, you know, uh, maybe, we've, maybe we've messed up and we know that we need to repent. And again, it's circumstances at that point that's driving our prayer life. But um, I guess by extension of that, you would think that if there are good things going on in our lives or we're enjoying life, you would think we would automatically start praising and thanking God in our prayer lives. But funnily enough, at least I've found for me, that's not often the way that it goes. Um, okay, I'll leave you with this. Have you ever noticed how in, um, how in pop culture, or I guess in just generally accepted culture, that um, it's okay for politicians and uh, for, for major figures to say things like, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with the, you know, the families and, of the, you know, the people that we've lost or that sort of thing. Or maybe there's like a movie character or something that's about to do something awful. And so they're like, may God forgive me for what I'm about to do. But it's actually really hard. It's, and it's, you don't see it very often where people are like, well, I'm honest to goodness praising God right now for, for what's going on in my life. Like we, we can sometimes hear the phrase, oh, thank God, da-da-da-da, used very flippantly. But it doesn't come very naturally to us, this idea of, of praise and, uh, and thanksgiving. And I think that this speaks to our human condition. I'm going to take a sip. Um, yeah, I think that it speaks... The fact that we don't get this part very naturally, I think it speaks to what it is that we are as humans. And, um, and I think Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, understands this as well in Romans... Chapter 1, um, verse 18 to 21, uh, Paul writes, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So in that passage... Is Paul saying that the essence of our human sin, the biggest thing that separates us between, that separates us from God, is the fact that we don't give God thanks? Like, is that what that verse is saying? 
Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. All right, well, to unpack that a little bit, um, let's talk about plagiarism. So I'm going to pick up this book because I'm going to say that I got this idea from this book, so I shall read it from the book so that I'm not plagiarizing anything. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so uh, Keller writes in this particular section, let's think about plagiarism uh, for a moment. Why is plagiarism taken so seriously? It's claiming that you came up with an idea yourself when you did not. It is acknowledging dependence, it is not acknowledging dependence that you got the idea from someone else. Plagiarism is a refusal to give thanks and give credit and is, therefore, a form of theft. It not only wrongs the author of the idea, but it also puts you in a vulnerable position because you're not capable of producing such ideas yourself in the future. So then, Keller asks the question, do you see then why God takes this so seriously? Cosmic ingratitude. So this idea of not giving thanks to God is living in the illusion that you are spiritually self-sufficient. It's taking credit for something that was a gift. It's the belief that you know best how to live and that you have the power and ability to keep your life on the right path and protect yourself from danger. That is a delusion and it's a dangerous one. So, in essence, because we want control, we never understand the fullness of what God has actually done for us, what he actually does for us on a daily basis to sustain us, and we're, we're never as thankful as we should be. It's part of our humanness, really, to think that we're the ones that keep our lives going. The problem is, when we live like this, we're not only robbing God of the glory that he deserves, but we rob ourselves of the peace and the joy that only constant gratitude to an all-powerful God can bring. All right, so if this idea of praise and thanksgiving is so important, um, how are we gonna use, how are we gonna use praise? How do we use praise to get the right perspective in our prayer life. And I mean, how are we gonna do this, especially when it doesn't come naturally? Okay, so these are some ideas, again, gleaned, that I gleaned kind of from the book and, and from some other reading as well. Um, so I've got these kind of three things that, um, that I wanna to talk to you about. Three, I guess, practices that, um, that you can use in, in, your own, uh, spiritual, uh, in your own spiritual walk. But um, these are three ways that we can kind of adjust our perspective from this thought of standing in a valley, and I want you to kind of picture this for a moment, standing in a valley, looking up at God somewhere in the far off distance through all of your problems and everything that's kind of mounting up in front of you, above you, moving from that perspective to actually standing on the top of a mountain, being able to look out over all the beauty and all the wonder that God has already done in your life and for you. And being able to say, God, you are so near to me right now. You're not far off. You have done so much and you have blessed me so abundantly in my life already. And I am so close to you right now that let's just talk and let's commune together. Let's be creator and created together. Um, so these three things. Uh, so the first thing is, uh, is an idea that, um, that C.S. Lewis talks about. 
And it's this thing, it's an idea of moving from just plain gratitude in your prayer, so, you know, thanks God for such and such, to, to adoration, moving from gratitude to adoration. Gratitude says, wow, you know, like, how good is God that he gave me um, friends? How good is God that he gave me uh, music to listen to? How good is God that he gave me sunshine to enjoy? Two, adoration, which says, what kind of God would create good friendships? What kind of God would bless me with amazing music? What kind of God puts the sun in the sky for me to enjoy? That is the, that, that's where your focus moves off the, the thing that you are grateful for receiving, obviously, but your, your perspective moves from that thing to the one who gave it to you. And it's like, what are the aspects of God that, that you can enjoy because of this thing that you can move your attention uh, to Him? So, moving from gratitude to adoration. Uh, the second thing, um, make the Lord's Prayer your own. Um, I guess one of the biggest things that I felt growing up was that, okay, so Jesus says, this is how you pray. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Da, 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 da. So, oh, okay, so that's the way I'm going to pray. Uh, and so I thought, okay, so Jesus says, this is how you pray, so I'll literally pray like that. Um, and it's not that the Lord's Prayer is, it's not that Jesus was saying, that, oh, here's a basic framework and fill in the details. But I think there, is, there are elements of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus is trying to highlight through what he's saying. So, yeah, pray the Lord's Prayer, that's great. But what he's saying is, this is what prayer looks like. This is what prayer looks like. And I think um, if we were kind of to boil it down to like four areas, it starts with adoration. It starts with that idea of adoration of our God in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. God, you are amazing. That second part, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's talking about the truth of God. So you move from adoration, from saying, God, you are amazing, to the truth about God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth. It's saying, this is the reality. This is how it's all going to pan out. Then you make your request known. You know, we need our food and forgive us and that kind of thing. And then you finish with, um, the result, and, I, and I, again, I, I'll digress for a second here and say that in some versions of the Lord's Prayer, it talks about, and yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, and amen. But um, even, with, even if you were to take that part out and just finish the Lord's Prayer with, and deliver us from evil, that is ultimately the result of every prayer and every, uh, every relationship that God has with His creation is going to ultimately end with him delivering us from evil, both eternally and here on this earth right now. That's how it ends. So you kind of move through the Lord's Prayer, going from adoration, our Father, the truth of God, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, our request, you know, give us and forgive us, and you move to the result. Like, how is this all going to play out in the end? It's going to result with you delivering us from evil. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, third and final thing. Uh, finishing with unbroken praise. So, um, the last psalm in the book of Psalms, Psalm 150, it's, it's a psalm that's one of four. And these four psalms are kind of like the big resounding high point of the book of Psalms. All throughout the Psalms, there is this emotional wave going on. There's like the, the, the tops of the mountains in terms of, you know, jubila jubilation, is that a word? In, yeah, okay, jubilation, I'll use that. 
Uh, there's like the tops of just ecstasy to like the bottoms of depression, really. And, you know, all through the Psalms, you can kind of follow this. But the super important thing throughout all of the emotions that the psalmist, many different people who contributed to that book, but all of the emotions that those people felt and experienced through their life, it finishes, the book of Psalms is concluded with these four hallelujah psalms of ultimately praising God. And that's where all of our prayers need to finish. Um, I'll briefly run through this. Um, it's, it's a message version of um, Psalm 150. It says, uh, it says, hallelujah, praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. Praise with a blast on the trumpet, with the strumming of soft strings. Praise him with castanets and dance. Praise him with banjo and flute. Praise him with cymbals and a big bass drum. Praise him with fiddles and mandolin. Let every living, breathing creature praise God. Hallelujah. And that is, uh, that is, that is the way the book of Psalms concludes. And the writer of the, of the message version, Eugene Peterson, um, he actually kind of writes about, kind of gives a bit of a commentary on this last um, psalm that Keller actually mentions in here as well. So I'll read a tiny little bit of that. Um, so Eugene Peterson says, All true prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Any prayer, no matter how desperate its origin, no matter how angry and fearful the experiences it traverses, ends up in praise. It doesn't always get there quickly or easily. The trip can take a lifetime, but the end is always praise. And he kind of goes on and elaborates on that. But I guess what I want to say to you tonight is that no matter what prayer you have been praying to God over, you know, it could be just over this last week, it could be for years, that ultimately these prayers must end in praise. That the way that God has created us to live in relationship with Him, it works perfectly when we start and with adoration and we end with praise. So I guess the question is, all right, well, okay, how is this going to help you? Uh, how, is this, how is this play out in the day-to-day? -day? So, um, and Keller kind of gives um, one last illustration that I'm going to use. Um, he talks about have you ever noticed how when you are going about your, your work, doing something, that if there's background audio, um, if there's like stuff going on, if there's somebody's got the news turned on or something, or there's music, or there's a big loud conversation, if you're trying to focus on something, you can usually tune out the audio and you can kind of, you know, put it in the background and not really hear what's going on. Um, well, the funny thing is when we watch, has anybody ever, ever tried to watch a movie and then like work on something at the same time, you can't effectively watch a movie and fully engage with what's going on there and do something else at the same time. What video does is it kind of forces us to focus on what the audio is saying as well. Um, and so Keller kind of makes this link that that's in reality what prayer does, that it takes something that you believe to be true about God. It takes um, the different the different character qualities of God and it takes your it takes these things that are floating around in the background that you could tune out if circumstances are coming at you and, and life is hard but prayer sharpens it right up and kind of puts the video on it so that all of a sudden you are you're drawn to you're focused on it and you can't effectively 
focus on the circumstances and other things that are going on in your life because you are locked on God's character, His love for you, His promises for you. And it makes it vivid. It makes it come alive. And look, we're under no illusion that we're going to face trials in this life. We might face discouragement. But the good news is is that we won't face full-on despair or despondency because our prayers, our prayers are coming from this mountaintop perspective of God, you are amazing. You have done so much in my life. You've done so much for the people around me. You do so much for me that I don't even realize. But I am so close to you right now and you are so close to me that whatever I'm going through right now, you are stronger than that. And I can feel your love stronger than that. As opposed to the, this valley perspective of, God, my problems and my circumstances are so huge right now and I, can't kinda, I can barely see through them to try and get to where you are. And it's praise and thanksgiving that gets us there. By praising Him in all circumstances, our prayers draw us closer to God and shows us more of His love in the harshest of trials and during the best of times. It takes the love and the wisdom and the power of God and makes it even more real to us than whatever rejection or or disappointment that we might be experiencing.